Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal, Chasing the Gold podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, and in the studio is Mr. Jack Piatelli. Jack, how the heck are we doing, man? I'm a little upset in this new month's New England Lacrosse Journal. Yeah. Great piece, Face Off. Did you write that piece? I did not, actually. Well, but I very good. Out. We got to talk about that sometime. But I wrote like one thing in that issue. I, I was, I came at a very bad time. But yeah, it's it's a good issue though. It's got some solid stuff. Got some a great issue, and they they actually advertise New England Lacrosse Journal's podcast. Yeah, and they have your name in big yeah. bold letters, and mine just below yours in small it's little weird. letters. I don't I don't understand that at all. But it's weird how that happens. It should be reversed. I feel like my name's bigger I pretty too. much carry the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Hey, listen, I'm not I'm not one of the ad guys. I'm just uh, a writer and a talking monkey on a podcast. So hey, let me say one more thing. Yeah. Our next guest I'm really excited about because he's had the same difficulty with his knees as what you're going through right now. So he, he's going to give you some good advice on how to recover because I'm tired of hearing you complain about it. And you've got to toughen up a little bit. I mean, this next guest, wow. I think about his name three times and he uh, never complained about it. And you, you did it once. And every time I talk to you, you're complaining how miserable you are. Yeah. We, we've had a little talk about that offline and it's four times, Jack. So we might as well just bring him in. It's Mr. Ken Clausen. Currently with the Headstrong Foundation, formerly with you with uh, Warrior Jack, and also uh, a UVA great and a Denver outlaw to boot. Ken, how's it going, man? Going great. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I feel for you on the knee. I do. It's it, it's not it's not easy. I think my advice yesterday when we started chatting offline was, it, it sucks. It does. Like, yeah. and it gets better, but uh, it's tough. Like it, it's not an easy thing to go through. So. I'm really just looking forward to walking and showering. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling feeling like I'm out here in like the desert with wipes. It gives you some rough real quick. I don't, I wouldn't recommend you coming back to play unless you're really a hundred percent sure that you're worthy of getting back out on the field. Because I had a conversation with Ken before we, he joined the podcast and he was telling me he'd love to get out there and play up at Lake Plass in the over 30, over 40, whatever it is, Grand Masters. But, He's blown it out so many times that he just doesn't want to have to go through that again, blowing out his knee and the re- that rehabilitation and just everything about it. So uh, you got to really think about this seriously, Kyle, and, and whether you're going to come back and play lacrosse again. Yeah, no, I mean, I can't imagine going through it four times. Ken, you're the, the toughest man alive. I or can't dumbest. imagine doing or, it four times. Or dumbest. Like, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, that's the, re- I mean, you come back and play, the reality is you got to be willing to accept the consequences of like, it, it could happen again. It's certainly something you don't want to happen. You rehab to make sure it, it doesn't. For me, I was, I, I, I did it, I ended, I did it three times in one year, tearing it, which was like, it, it shouldn't yeah. happen. It was also, that was my own ignorance at times. Like, I'd never had an injury like this before, meaning like I never had it. I never had serious. I was so fortunate not to have any serious injuries in college. And any injury I'd ever had throughout my career was kind of a pain tolerance base. Can you get back? Can yeah. you tough, tough it out? Whether it's football or cross. And, and the knee has nothing to do with that. It's, it's all about the strength of the knee and how strong mm-hmm. is your knee. And I found that out quickly. Like my first practice back with the Denver Outlaws, I tore, I tore my first time playing with Mammoth. Rehab so hard. Six, seven months later, first practice back with the Outlaws toward in my first 20 minutes of practice. Like, yeah. And, and I was probably at like 85%. And I kept telling myself, 
I'm good enough. I'm good enough. Part of that was ego. Part of that was angst to get back and desire. And you feel like you'd work so hard. And, and I just didn't realize, I always tell guys now when I'm talking about the knee that the good enough isn't good enough. That's not what it's about. It, it has to be, is it as strong or stronger than your, your other knee or than it was previously? And, and if it's not, then it's, you're, you're going to have issues. And that's what I faced. And, and I think that you, you see this steady progress throughout rehab and that last 15%, 85 to a hundred takes the longest and it's the hardest. And you're so close. It's the hardest because it takes the most work. It's the hardest because you're so close and mentally you want to get back and you feel like you're good. And, and you might have, like I said, ego, you're like, I'm better than that guy. I can get back. I can play better. It has nothing to do with anyone else. It has everything to do with you. And then how strong is it? And can you close that gap? And, and, and it's going to take some time to do it. And so it took me a while to like, to understand that. And yeah, ended up missing three years playing 2011, 12, 13, all, all rehabbing and going through surgeries and, and, but ended up getting back to be able to play, which I felt really fortunate after three tears and four surgeries to get back playing I'm playing at a high level. I felt like was, was really fortunate. My dad blew his knee out when he was in high school and that was the end of sports for him. And so to, yeah. To be able to get back and do that, I felt really good about. And then, yeah, got, got playing back a couple of years, won a championship with Outlaws in 14, which is awesome. And then 2016, playing with the launch, blew it for a fourth time. And, and, and that was it for me. But I remember when that happened, I was writing about, I was doing a preseason preview, I think, and I forgot to put you in it. And Bocklet went after me hard for being like, <laughs> they need, they don't have another poll. Like, I don't know what they're doing. All this stuff. And he's just like, what are you talking about? Like, Ken Clausen's here. I'm like, I thought he was out for like two years. Like, it's one of those yeah. like things where it's, it's at the technology to, to, and the science has kind of caught up to make things a little bit more progressive, I think, in terms yep. of the surgery being more. I mean, listen, it's all, it's all turf, baby. That's, that's the, the, the increase in the injury is because of turf. Yeah. And anyone that yeah. tells you otherwise is lying to you or owns a turf company. So yeah. I, I know there's like, I know it's kind of boring to just talk about an injury to like me. I'm just some dumb writer, but like it happens a lot in lacrosse. I think it's relevant. It's, it's it a, it's a huge part of the game and the mental strength to come back. Like my whole thing is when I heard it, I was, I was like, all right, here's a year. Like there's a year in my life and yeah. it's only been like two months or whatever, but it's, you tie your identity to it. You tie your identity to lacrosse and that's like a really big part of everything. I mean, even, even Jack, you're like, you've been hurt. You've had a hernia in the past. Like you've had to stop playing and you played all the way up until like two years ago. Right. I mean, like I, you love it. Like that's. I, yeah. And believe it or not, I'm, I'm heading to Hawaii at the end of the month to play in the 60 and older division. Love it. Whoa. Yes. So that's I'm, an exclusive for the podcast. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm in a serious training program right now doing hot yoga, some box. Who is so. this guy? Yeah, I'm getting myself back into shape. But, you know, I mean, the game is so much fun to play. I mean, it, I played seriously until I was 50, but uh, very fortunate that I didn't have any knee problems. But I think playing ice hockey helped my legs, my knees, my ankles. I played a lot of hockey and strengthened a lot of the muscles around the knees and the ankles and so on and so forth. But, Ken, last question about your injuries to your yeah. knee, the ACL. Was it more difficult to recover mentally or physically i think i think i think physically like i think because i was just stubborn like i wanted to come back i wanted to play now with that being said like when i when i got back there was yeah i had this hitch in my step and i had to 
it was a mental hurdle that I wasn't conscious of, like I wasn't aware of, but I knew I wasn't reacting as quick as I, as I wanted to. And I kept like, come on, come on, like get it going. And finally, like it started happening where I was getting my step back and starting to improve. But I think physically it's a challenge. Like you got to stick to rehab. It's a grind. It's a lonely process. Like you're, you're on your own. I think when you start getting back to walking, you start like people don't recognize it either. So it's not like, oh, how's your knee doing? They just assume you're okay because you're walking and you're doing things and you're like, it's all right. Like, but I got a ways, like, it's just a grind. Um, but I think that one of the things that I did, cause I was sitting there, I, I told you I, I missed three years and I'm sitting there looking at my peers playing and getting better. And, and I'm like, how in the world am I going to get back and, and play at this level? I've missed this time. I'm injured. I'm not going to be the same player. Not to say I can't be the same, but I think I was, I was aware of, Hey, look, I've just had three ACLs, four surgeries. If I expect myself to step on the field and be a cover guy, which is what I was throughout college and my career. I, I think that's a bit crazy to think that, that that's going to just. And so what I started doing was I started coaching. And I started learning the game. Like I was, I, I didn't know that much. I, I could cover guys. I knew enough, of course, like, but it's one of the great things about lacrosse. There's so much to learn. There's, there's always more to learn. There's so much to, nuance to it and different things and different styles and techniques and strategies. I started just burying myself in the game, watching film and coaching teams. I think that coaching is the best way to really get involved in that because you start thinking, how do I articulate that? Instead, I was always a player that, well, tell me why. Why do I do this? Don't tell me just what to do. Tell me why. And and I think when you start having to articulate that as a coach, you start understanding, all right, well, what is the offense doing and why are they doing it and what are they trying to do? And ultimately, that injury is what set me on this path of, of coaching. Both high school, it led me to coach in the Denver Outlaws after I retired to coach with the PLL Atlas for two years. And so for me, that was a big silver lining. Like the injury not great, changed my career a bit and like what I was doing, but it put me on this other path of coaching and learning and becoming such a, I felt like I was always a student of the game. I just didn't, I didn't know as much. Like I knew what I knew and I knew what I needed to be good at what I did. And it was really starting to open my eyes to other things. And so that's something I'm always encouraging to, to different players. I'm always talking to different players, high school, pro, whomever, if, if they have any injury, I'm happy to talk with them about it and, and share my experience of what to do and what not to do. But coaching really came of that it was was learning the game more and it extended my career and being involved in the sport longer and so so from that standpoint the mental piece really had an uptick I, I learned a lot like and I, I got to understand the game more and it was it was pretty great in that regard for those people listening may not know that Ken Clawson was one of the best players to ever suit put on a uniform at Virginia you were a three-time first team all-american has that ever happened Again, Schellenberger oh. did it. Yeah. So Schellenberger just did it. He's, he's going to have a chance to go for four time first team now, which is just, just awesome. Uh, I hope he certainly gets there and, and makes it happen. But, but yeah, no, I was, I was the first, which is crazy. Like looking back, there's so many great Virginia players and, and to be the first to do that. I mean, look, I, I always the credit to the teammates I had, to the coaches I had, like that doesn't happen without them, the inspiration they gave, watching the work that they put in day in and day out. And with all that being said, we didn't, when I was there, I didn't, we didn't win a national championship when I would trade any, any personal accolade away to, to go to, to win one of those. We, we, we were close. We lost in three final fours. So it was disappointing. That's what you, that's what you play for. You don't play at least you don't play for the individual accolades. They're great and they're, they're great to come by, but you play to win. So, so with that being, they won the year before I was there. They won the year after that year after was, was so special. I mean, I was at those games. It was, what a what a journey they had as a team with everything we went through my senior year there with Yardley like it was that was really special to see them come back and win and, and do all that so 
yeah, super proud of everything we accomplished and what we had been through. But, you know, it was, I, you played well. I actually, I saw a quote, you were quoted saying that you wished every student athlete could experience the final four like you were able to, and you got to experience it three different times. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your experience and what it's like to play in the final four. I mean, it's the, it's, it's the Mecca, right? I mean, it's like, it's what you're striving for. You're the final four. Like there's just a, a elevated level of, of both pressure, but excitement, like even like little things that like you get, you get a police escort to the game. Like what a cool thing that is. You get these, talk about butterflies before a game, but then you have this police escort, you have these different things. You have these meetings with the teams, like where you're kind of in a group and, and then you're going off and doing your own thing, but like just the camaraderie, but the competition, the fanfare around it, it's everything you dream of as a kid, right? Is to get to that point, to get to that level. And like, we had some incredible games. My sophomore year playing, playing Syracuse, going to double overtime and what, what may have been the biggest crowd ever at a final four. I, I think it's somewhere in that realm, whether it was the top or not. I think it was 50,000 people or so like going. I mean, I, I remember the the crowd was so loud. You couldn't hear the defenseman. You couldn't hear communication. And so you're just looking at each other like we're gonna have to go off instinct and trust. And and you start thinking about all the practice you put in and all the times you were doing all these things. Like it's coming down to this and what you're working on. And and unfortunately losing in double overtime, I was covering Mike Lavelle who when he scored. So that was heartbreaking and, and learning experience, but, but oh, an incredible experience nonetheless. And then playing Cornell the next year and we got destroyed. Like they just rolled us, which was another experience. <laughs> like, like, okay, like that's, we got to figure some things out there. And I mean, and they had such an incredible team. I think Pinnell was a freshman and Seabold and, and just like, what a, what a great group they had there. And then my senior year losing in the last couple of seconds to Duke with, with Quinzani and, and Crotty and their, their incredible team. I think that yeah, I mean, Syracuse had gone on to win. Cornell ended up losing that heartbreaker to Syracuse in the championship, and then Duke went on to win. Like, just some incredible battles. Times that you, you, you can't forget. Sometimes you wish that you maybe you could, or you remembered it a bit differently. But it's the way that sports go, and it's it's uh, a privilege to be there. Not everyone gets the chance to to go and compete at that on that stage. It was awesome. I mean, it was really, really great. I believe your sophomore and junior year, those games were played at Gillette, correct? Yep. Yep. And maybe was, was my senior year, maybe senior year was Baltimore. Maybe I can't even, maybe it was Philly. Was it Philly? I think it was Philly. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought I would have remembered like Philly because Philly was my home spot. Like, I don't think it, I don't know. It was probably Baltimore. Yeah. (laughs) It it was like this weird handoff that is still happening. Right. Between these like three places. I know. It's like, we can only have the game here. Yeah, and I remember Gillette, because even, like, with the Atlas, like, at least in my head, like, I remember when we lost to the Water Dogs in my last season coach with them, just being like, Gillette, like, damn you, a few losses here. Like, oh, man, another another loss at Gillette. I'm not the biggest fan of that stadium, but it is beautiful, beautiful spot. Just haven't had the most success there, but yeah. Well, you are an Eagles fan, so. I am. Makes sense, you don't want to Go Bird. Bird. <laughs> Had to have this for the call. I feel like everyone in lacrosse, this is, this is like the inside baseball of lacrosse. Everyone in lacrosse is a fan of like five teams. And the teams are the Patriots, <laughs> the Eagles, the Bills, the Ravens. And what's the other one? Jets, Giants. Probably Giants more than Jets. I don't know any Jets fans, to be honest with you. Yeah. Not anymore anyway. Not, ever, not since week one. It's yeah, been a yeah. rough run. It's my only dig because the Patriots are not good this year. 
let's let's kind of dive a little deeper into your your post playing career and not coaching as well. You you were kind of the the guy behind Mustache Madness for Headstrong. It's a huge fundraising initiative for the, that organization. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened and your role in that? Yeah, yeah. No, so Mustache Madness. I mean, so yeah, I started working full time with Headstrong this past March. But I've been, as you mentioned, like I've been working with them for about fourteen years now, and. And that started going back towards my my senior year at at Virginia. I'd been looking for for a while. I think even since like high school, I was trying to figure out a way to, to give back and do something. And I, I just didn't really know what to to do. I, I was a volunteer teacher at Virginia for four years, like once a week, going out to a local elementary school and and helping teach and do things like that. Like I was always trying to find ways to give back. And 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 part of that was just I always felt like I recognized that I wanted to do it, but I, I knew I had a platform at Virginia. Like I had an opportunity. People came to the games. The little kids would ask for autographs. I remember like even the first game, people would be like, Can I have your autograph? I'm like, what? Like, are you crazy? Like there's I felt like there was some power and privilege there and I wanted to be able to utilize it in in, in a really great way. And so I was kinda trying to find something to do. And I, I had this this silly finger stash tattoo and I had it on the mustache on the head of my lacrosse stick and it kind of became a thing. I saw kids would come up and just hold their finger up and I'd give them a stash. They'd like, they knew about it. And so when I heard about this idea of growing mustaches and raising money, it, it resonated with me. It clicked immediately. And I, did, I went back to my team and started talking to some guys on the team. Hey, this is my idea. And, and a bunch of guys kind of looked at me like I'm crazy. And what are you talking about? How does this work? And then I met this one of our players, Todd Fiella, immediately was like, done. I want to do that with you. Like, how do we, let's make this happen. And so we, Kind of started brainstorming, collaborating with our with our trainer who's still there today, Rebecca Bozo, who's awesome, and and she had some experience with fundraising in the past, and and we and we put this together and, and started doing this. And I think in our first year, we the concept was right: grow your mustache out and and have different teams participate, and so make it both a team and an individual kind of fundraising competition. And and that was back in the fall of two thousand nine. I think we raised about thirty thousand dollars. You know, that first year, which we felt like God, we were over, couldn't believe it. Like, how did we just do that? That was so cool and. And flash forward now, 14 years later, that, that, that same event typically raises now about $600,000 in that same six week period in Spain. And so over the last 14 years, we've raised over $3 million for Headstrong. We've had thousands of kids participate and hundreds of teams each year participate. And it's, I think we feel like become like really like a staple in, in the, in the lacrosse community, certainly during fall ball and things like that. And, and it's been really awesome to see it really just kind of continue to grow and have more and more people participate and, and to continue edu- educating people about Headstrong. It's led to me full-time job, as I said, like working full-time with Headstrong. And I didn't ever expect that to be the case when I started it. Um, and and it really lent itself to like just, it had these, we chose Headstrong. We started partnering with Headstrong because Headstrong was lacrosse. Nick Callery was a lacrosse player who played at Hofstra and, and who started this foundation so that others can benefit from his memory and from his life. He, he really wanted to to, to utilize his platform and, and his circumstance to, to help others. He felt like he recognized early on in his in his diagnosis that the burden this was placed on his family emotionally, financially, and and that his family wasn't alone in this, that other families on his floor at the hospital were, were struggling, that this was a challenge and that, that there was a vo- kind of a, a void here or a need to support families affected by cancer. And that's what Headstrong does. That's our mission, support families affected by cancer. That's what what Nick wanted. And, and, and so that's what we do is we support families in the midst of their fight and their battle. And and for me, choosing working with Headstrong, it was, I had these really cool similarities with Nick that, that was like, one, he was from Southeastern PA, which is where I was from. He was number 27, which happened to be my number I was given at Virginia. 
he was a defenseman and I was a defenseman. And so we had these really cool just similarities where I'm like, of course, I'm going to gravitate towards this, let alone the mission is so, so cool and so tangible. You see the patients, you see the families, the real people in your community that we're helping. And a couple of years into the, the, to working with Headstrong on this, I found out and Pat Calvary, Nick's brother, who I work closely with had said, why don't we start it? Nick's birthday's in October. Why don't we, why don't we start it on Nick's birthday? It gives us a little bit of separation from November. It adds some more weeks to fundraise. It kind of makes this more involved in throughout fall ball. Like, well, that's great. Let's do it. What's his birthday? He goes October 19th. And I, I still get goosebumps. I was like, Pat, that's, that's my birthday. Like we, we share the same birthday. And, and so to have all these similarities, Nick also grew his mustache out towards the end of his life. He, he was losing his hair. He lost his hair going through chemo, but he could still grow his mustache. And, and the immediate, whenever people would walk in the room, they would see Nick. And, and of course you're like, he doesn't have hair. You see this, you see this, this guy that looks different and the mustache that he grew out became a, a conversation starter. The term, what do you, what are you growing your mustache for? And, and so he had the mustache that he was growing towards the end of his life. And so we had all these just similarities and, and connections with what was going on. And, and it's been a perfect fit and it's been so cool to, to see continue to grow. And, and, it, and it's in part so much thanks to the lacrosse community, which is such a special group and such a special community. And, and we can't be more appreciative, any more appreciative of, the, of their continued efforts to support it and raise money and, and help, help people out that are going through cancer. And it's been really neat. It's been really cool. Yeah, back when I was at Inside the Cross, it was a huge initiative and I was the gear guy. So I got all the headstrong gear. I still have some of it somewhere, somewhere around me. I'm sure yeah. it's in this apartment. The shoelaces were yep. ubiquitous for a while. Like everybody had those. It'd be like, and if they didn't have them, they'd be like, oh, what are those? What, how do you have those? And it's great how, how you've managed to make the message viral, which I think a lot of companies, much less charities and, and organization, charitable organizations strive so hard for it. And, and you've had the support of the, the lacrosse community for so long. And one of the reasons we're having you on the podcast is the Headstrong Foundation is partnering with, with BU and they're doing a fundraiser for fall ball for the men's and women's teams as well as Headstrong. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited. I mean, look, so, so a couple of things. One, with regards to the event, like we've got it, we're October 14th at uh, Nickerson Field at BU. Like we're hosting a, a fall ball event and it's both men's and women's teams. Like the women's teams, BU, Brown, UConn, and they're playing in the morning. Uh, the men's teams, BU, UMass, UMass Lowell and, uh, and Manhattan, they're all playing. It's $10 admission fee. 100% of those proceeds are going towards the foundation and, and the families that we, that we support. And so we're really excited to be up there. We also have like a 1230, a 12 or 12 and 1230, an information session that we're holding at the event for, for people to come and hear more about Headstrong and what's going on and what we're doing and what we're about. And that's going to be taking place at like the case center rooftop at BU. And so the reason that we're doing this, like we always have fall ball series. We've got one at Hofstra. We've got event at VMI. We've, we've got all these different fall ball events, but Boston is becoming a focus for us. We are, we are expanding our reach and our support into the Boston community. So the three things that we really do, like our three pillars of support at Headstrong is, is emotional support, financial support, where we're issuing financial grants to families and to help them, and, and residential housing. And so we've got a wonderful place called Nick's House in Swarthmore, PA. It hosts six to, to seven families at a time. Families stay there free of charge while they're getting life-saving treatment in Philadelphia. And so it's, it's such a cool place where families are in and out throughout the year, I'd say we provide over 3,000 nights of complimentary care, free complimentary care to, to these lodging, I should say, to these families throughout the year. 
we are looking to expand our next house into Boston. We're looking to open a new facility in Boston. And we chose our location based on where major cancer treatment facilities are. And so we are so proud and so excited to be to be moving and opening a next house into Boston. We're currently looking for a property. We, we're checking out a bunch of different spots and trying to feel figure out what feels right. But but it's we're, we're really excited for the for the growth and like the way next house work is it's, we've got both the family member and a, and the patient staying in one room together. Whereas like Ronald McDonald which is so wonderful in its own right. Um, but it's uh, for the family member, right? The, the patients in the, in the, in the hospital. And so to, to be able to have both family and, 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 and patient in the same facility is just a, or in the same room is just a really a big piece for us, right? It allows whether it's parents to stay with kids or, or stay with your spouse or to have that support, let alone the support system of other families in that house. It's, uh, it's really an incredible spot. We always encourage if teams are coming down in the Philly area, college teams, high school teams to, to stop by Nick's house. We'd love to show you what it is and what's going on there and, and really put a, a face to the name and, and understand where where the money that's being raised is going to support. But but yeah, we're, we're so excited to be expanding into that Boston area. And so we're really trying to network and get up there and, and introduce ourselves to people that may not be as familiar, get them to learn more about what we're doing. And we're so proud about that, that excited about that, that fall ball event on October 14th taking place at, at BU. All right, so there's uh, all the details for that are on laxjournal.com if you want to check that out. Let's kind of talk a little bit more about your time with Jack at Warrior before yeah. we transition back into Headstrong. I, I always thought it was, you were part of this kind of group of players that were, there was, there was like a divide in the MLL in the pro after college where guys would go coach and be assistants. And then there was guys that would kind of be sponsored athletes for different companies. And back then, I think that was right around the time that the MLL was allowing other companies to bid in. But Warrior was the main one forever. And you were kind of the second or third class of guys that came in and kind of joined not only just like marketing, but also working with Jack and, and doing sales and things like that. Can you, I, well, let me put it a better way. I need your best Jack Piatelli story because he's right here. Uh, Give me your best one. Jack Piatelli story. Goodness, I should have prepped that. I don't. I'm trying to think like, I mean, I have so many great memories with Jack. I mean, we were just talking the other day, got his, his boys that are all in college or graduate college now. Like I've got a great pick of, of both Jack and I and Jack and one of his kids at an outlaws game from, it must have been like 2014, 15, something, something like that. And so I was, I, I found one of those old picks. I've got it saved on my computer here and was sharing that with him. I mean, that it's, it's make, nothing makes me feel older than like seeing that in his kids so young. And now it's like they're in college, graduating college, doing all these great things. <laughs> like, wait, wasn't that just yesterday? I feel like that was just yesterday we were doing that. I mean, Warrior was such a blast working with, I worked with them for about 10 years and I got nothing but the best of memories. I think that, well, was to your point, like I got out of school and, and they started talking to me about being, being a, an athlete, a marketing figure, things like that. And what I said was, that's great. I, I want a job. <laughs> that's what like. This is all great. The marketing and I'm, I'm more than happy to do all that, but do you have a job opening? Like I want to do that. And, and as it, as it happened to work out, like they were looking for a new sports marketing rep in Denver. I got picked up by the outlaws. I took one trip out there. It ran, it did work kind of in the reverse fashion. I took one trip out there. Um, fell in love with Denver, grabbed my then girlfriend, now wife and said that we're going to Denver. Let's move out there. Then started looking for a job. Talked to Josh Sims. They were looking to hire. It happened real quick. And, uh, and lo and behold, I go out to Denver and I'm out there for 10, you know, 12 years, uh, starting to live, you know, life post college. And so it was that for me was, was a really cool step to be able to, to turn both a marketing piece or like the, 
whether it was popularity or whatever, like they wanted to do something with marketing and, and turn that into a job was, uh, I couldn't have been more fortunate and, and happy about that situation. And we had some really good times. Like it was, it was a fun time at Warriors history. I think I probably jumped in right at like the, the heyday of like in terms of lacrosse. And then you just started having other companies jump in and different things start happening. The sport was growing in different ways and like, and, and all for the better, I think, but it was, we had some, we had some fun times, like kind of getting in. It was, a, it was a great group. A lot of former players, legends that I couldn't be more happy to be around like Jack or, or Catrano or, or Millen and Bugs and just like all these different guys that were there that was just added such a cool flavor. Of course, Morrow, like in, in his story and everything, like it was, it was really neat to be a part of that and be a part of that group. And, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun, but I know that wasn't the best Piatelli story. I got to think I'll have to chew on that a bit. I don't have two minutes. Have you can give me one offline. It's really good. That's probably just extra so I have it. Yeah, I don't got any dirt on Jack. He's 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 decent. That guy's good. He's kind of clean slate. Ken, I remember when you started growing your mustache many years ago when we were at Warrior, and you were brought some attention to Headstrong. I didn't know what Headstrong was, and it's really amazing how far they've come and where they're headed, coming to Boston, everything. What What is exactly your role with Headstrong? What are your responsibilities? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, thanks for asking it. So I jumped on in March leading, I'm the national director for Attack Cancer. So that's my that's my title. I'm leading one of our, our national campaigns called Attack Cancer. And then like what that is, is it's our, it's, it's focused towards more youth and, and high school lacrosse players, allowing them to use their sport as a platform to raise money for the foundation. And so the way that works, you go to attackcancer.com, you create join, there's a join button you'll see on the left-hand side of the page. You click join, it takes about a minute to fill out your just kind of basic info, but it creates a fundraising page for you. You can edit that fundraising page to be however you want. You don't, you don't have to, but you start sharing that fundraising page on social media. And it can be something as broad as, hey, look, this season I'm pledging my performance for families affected by cancer, would you consider a donation? Or it can be as specific as you want. This season, I'm pledging my performance for my grandmother who has cancer, my friend who's battling cancer. Whatever you want it to be, would you consider a donation, right? And it's you're pledging money towards a foundation that supports families affected by cancer. And so for me, as I, as I kind of mentioned earlier in the call, like I had always felt like I wanted to give back and do something. I didn't really know how. And I, and I know that for me, if I was a high school student, college student, I'd seen something like attack cancer, I, I would have jumped on it. And so for me to be able to utilize um, this platform now at Headstrong to help encourage others, not everyone's going to be interested and in this doesn't have to resonate with everyone, but it's really about developing great servant leaders, right? Uh, people that know they have the ability to give back, they can use their platform as sport to do so, something that they're very comfortable with playing lacrosse, playing football, playing basketball, whatever that sport may be, using that sport as a mechanism to help support others is something that I'm I'm really proud of. I'm really excited to help kind of mentor these high school students in in a way to to, to kind of be able to do that. And so so that's been really fun so far. We've had over 1,400 student athletes this year raise over 215 thousand dollars using this platform, Attack Cancer, to to support others. Whether that's in the sense of pledging your whole season, pledging a game, having an Attack Cancer game, or or things like that. I'm heading to a a football game in Philadelphia next weekend at Malvern Prep, they're hosting an attack cancer game for their, their homecoming game. And so it's for all sports to participate in, and that's been really neat. And then the other piece of attack cancer that I've been working on is called team attack cancer. And, and it's building the, some of what we call experiential teams, these one-off teams to go to really neat events and, and raise money for the foundation. And so for instance, like what we did this past summer, we had a group of, of 25 guys go up to Lake Placid. I had never been to Lake Placid. I'd always heard just the best things about the tournament. 
obviously we know the Lavelles, Jack, like, and, and just such a great family. And so to be able to go up there and, and be a part of that was so special. But we had 25 guys, primarily from this mid-Atlantic, right, Philadelphia, D.C., Baltimore region. We had some outliers, like a guy from Boston that ended up might be able to come from injury, a guy from Texas. Like, so it's not, it's not confined to any certain area. But the key for us was all, they were, for the most part, all rising seniors, right, guys that had just finished their junior year, and all committed players. And why that, I think that's important is that it's, this isn't meant to be something that competes with club lacrosse. They're committed, which means they're kind of that recruiting piece is over. We know they're going to play the next level. It's towards the end of summer in this case with Placid. So there's nothing that really competes unless their club team is going to Placid in which we would tell them play with your club team. That's your obligation. That's your team. But it's really trying to get a great group of guys to, to come together, learn more about the foundation, become more involved. And instead of paying a tournament fee, they have a fundraising commitment, right? So let's say it's $600. You have a fundraising commitment of $600. That's what you got to raise. We're going to help you guide you throughout that process, what you got to do, how you can do it, certain messages, like learn more about the foundation with a, a campaign hero assigned to the team, a, a really a wonderful kid, Ryan Mackey, 13-year-old from from Bethesda, Maryland here where I live. I live in Severna Park, Maryland now. And, and he was our campaign hero. We had his logo on our uniform. The guys understood his story and what he's going through. We were breaking down team huddles, Mackie doing three and doing that. Before the championship game, Ryan sent us a video of him from his hospital bed. He's getting chemo currently. He couldn't come up to the tournament. He's currently battling, getting chemo. And he's doing great. I, I think, by the way, I was talking with his mom just earlier this weekend. We're texting back and forth, emailing with her. And, and he sent us a video from his hospital wishing us luck and thanking us for what we were doing for him. And there was no way we were losing that game. Like there, there was no chance. We were playing for something so much more. And, and these guys got to feel that and see that and understand that. And so we went on with this team that had never played together, had one practice, won the tournament, went undefeated. And and this group of guys raised $46,000, right? Like just an incredible, incredible effort from them and 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 really felt felt this connection to Headstrong and what we were doing and, and how we did this. And, and a big credit to Matt Rienzo, who helped coach his team. His son was on the team. We just had like, it's such a cool group of guys that was out there doing this and, and it was really special. And so that's something like that we're trying to do. We, we've got these high school graduating type seniors, junior, senior committed level teams, and then we're building up in age, right? So we've got an over 40 team that played in this local Chesapeake Cup here last weekend. Like we're trying to build up and that's kind of our niche that we're kind of carving out, not trying to compete. We want club teams to be really proud that their players are being a part of Team Attack Cancer rather than feeling like it's a threat or competition We've tried to carve out this niche where it's an experience, the one-time team. This group's never going to play together again. It's going to be a brand new group next year. I mean, this group had such a great time. They're already talking about, can we get a team next year? Can we get this group back? I'm like, if you guys, yeah, we can, of course we can do that. But it's it's something that is meant to be this kind of one-off experience where they can become really involved in the foundation, learn more, see the the money going to work in, in a sense, and uh, be really proud of both the efforts on the field, off the field, play for something more. And have a great experience. And, and it was really a cool trip. And uh, yeah, we're excited to do it again next summer. I'm starting to reach out to guys and starting to build that roster right now for, for Lake Placid next summer and getting that group going. So, so yeah, it's been really fun being, being able to be part of Headstrong full-time, leading this kind of charge with Tac Cancer of, of mentoring young kids, getting them more involved with serving leadership. And the message ultimately is, look, whether it's, whether it's supporting Headstrong or it's supporting any other foundation, it, it, it's, this isn't meant to be, hey, involve you only in Headstrong. It's, you have the power to do something and you have the power to make a difference. We're encouraging you to do it and helping show you how to do this and, and letting you be great leaders in your community, whether it's starting your own thing, participating in another fundraiser or other charity, or certainly continuing to support Headstrong. It's, it's just engaging people, young, young student, young student athletes, boys and girls to understand that they've got the power to make a difference. They can 
it goes a long way. It does make a difference. And so it's been really cool to, to be doing that. So Ken, if I'm a family who may know somebody that's struggling and battling cancer, what steps would I take to contact your group yeah. at Strong? And like, how, how, what's the process in terms of who you work with, what determines money, housing, the whole nine yards? Yep. Yep. So no, it's a great question. I think, I think one, like we are, we're very entrenched in lacrosse community, right? I mean, like that is our roots. That's always going to be our roots, how we got started with Nick, but we support families. Obviously that you don't have to be lacrosse for us to support you, right? For us to, to be, to be getting involved with you. And so one, we try and keep our finger on the pulse for anything going on in lacrosse. We love supporting those families again, because that's our roots. In terms of our, our reach, we, we've supported now over 27,000 families all over the country. We, we just actually, I've got a note earlier this week. We just passed over 29 million in fundraising that we've, we've had since our inception now, which is just a huge step for us and quite an accomplishment to start with shoelaces to now where we're at is just a testament to Nick and his vision and his belief of and, and the lacrosse community that, that I said is in so much a big part of what we do. I think in terms of getting involved, one, you've got a family or a friend. We, we have something called, it's currently battling. We have something called comfort kits that we send out to patients. We send them to all 50 states. You can go on our website. There's a comfort kit request form. And, and what a comfort kit is, is meant to, to, to comfort someone going through chemo treatment. We send them a package. It's got a blanket, a journal, coloring books, a lavender to help soothe, hard candies sanitizer, like a whole assortment of things that you're going to need and notes of encouragement. And, and what it's meant to do is let them know it's meant to comfort them and let them know, look, they're not alone. We're here to support you, that, that, that others are here thinking of you and going through this. Our goal this year is to send out over 5,000 of those. And so like, you can go online and fill that out so we can send a comfort kit. That, that's one thing we can do. We also have on the website, you can find financial assistance, fill out a form, and we can start evaluating those and send out financial grants. I think that I mentioned Ryan Mackey who we had helped support on with, with our Lake Placid team. He, he reminds me so much of Nick in the sense that Ryan currently battling has every right to, to be selfish in this moment. I'm thinking about myself and my health and trying to battle. I've got a lot going on with me personally. And, and Ryan was anything but that. He was as selfless as possible. He wanted to help others during his struggle. He wanted to start a fundraiser to help buy supplies and goods and games for, for the hospital, Walter Reed, where he's staying at. He really felt like that he he could have had more activity. If he had some more things to do, could have helped pass the time. You know, there's a lot of time you're spent in a hospital bed doing things. And so he wanted to start a fundraiser to buy games and activities and video games, like all these different things for the hospital. And so he, we, we helped him start a fundraiser right? and they raised a bunch of money. I, I got the privilege of meeting Ryan a couple of weeks ago and, and going to the hospital and dropping off a bunch of these goods with him, which was so incredible. And so that, that was one way of an example of like, Someone saying, hey, I want to do this. Head Trunk, can you help me do this? We can help you start a fundraiser and do this thing. Ryan, also, we've used some of that money he's raised to, to send financial grants to some of the families that have been in the hospital with him that he wanted to support. And so we've been able to both support in terms of supplies, support in terms of financial grants. Last year, we had a fundraiser with St. Joe's and LaSalle. One of the coaches' kids is currently battling cancer. Those two teams rallied together to raise over $10,000, and we would issue a financial grant to that family. And so whether it's approaching us and saying, hey, look, this is our situation and we want to do something. Can we rally around this community and this this person to, to, to raise some money? We can we can certainly take a portion of that money and issue a grant that way. You can fill out our form online to request financial grants and services. I mentioned the comfort kits and then also Nick's house, the same thing online. You can go on and fill out a form that, that an application to go in 
and and be able to stay at Nick's house. And and to better understand Nick's house too, it's just that let's say I do live in Boston and and I need to get life-saving treatment or advanced treatment down in Philadelphia. Well, now a family has to leave and pack up and go stay at a hotel or rent an Airbnb. Like those are expenses that just for a three months stay to be able to travel and pay that off, let alone the regular bills you have for mortgage, let alone the financial medical bills that you're going to be paying. Like everything starts to add up in a way that becomes insurmountable or they can feel insurmountable. And, and the reality is too, that so many patients don't end up going to get advanced treatment because they can't afford it. They can't afford to go stay at it. So now you're just hoping, fingers crossed, that, that, that whatever they're doing is working. And so that's where Nick's house steps into the, to give every family to our goal is to really help families feel like that they've gone the distance. Not everything is going to end the best way. Like that's the reality. Nick's situation didn't and it's sad. And he left headstrong behind, but it's our goal is to help families feel like they did everything possible in their power to go the distance, to give it everything they had to try and compete against this, this horrible thing called cancer. And so, so yeah, you can go online and find out more about those initiatives and, and, and how you can apply to, to, to be able to, to receive some benefits there or, or reach out to myself, right? Ken at headstrong.org, reach out to my colleague, Jeff, Jeff at headstrong.org. You can reach out to us and we can figure out ways to support you and ways to get engaged. So there's a number of different ways. We've continued to have people, we had a former player at Headstrong and and fundraiser at Mustache Madness. Now he turned around and and ran a golf event. Great, great man, Ty Martin ran a golf event last couple of weeks ago that ended up raising over 50,000. And so you continue to have these people that come back and want to do things and want to get involved and want to support, whether it's someone in their community or, or just in general. And so there's always a number of ways. I think that we've we've obviously got Mustache Madness, which is for the college athletes, primarily Game Hair Havoc, which is our you know female equivalent on the women's side. We've also got Team Headstrong, which is we've got it's our running team, right? So whether you're running five Ks or ten Ks or marathons, you can be part of Team Headstrong. You can be a part of golf events, run golf events, and really you can do so many different things to be involved. But I think that if you're looking for for support or supporting someone. Certainly go on our website, headstrong, headstrong.org and looking at the, the services that we provide and how you can apply to, to receive some of that. Or like I said, email us, right? Get in touch with us, reach out on Instagram, inquire. We're always listening and hoping and, and always certainly helping people in the lacrosse community, but certainly not restricted to that. Either. And our listeners, if they want to donate, they just go to the website as well. Yeah. Yeah. Look, you can go to headstrong.org and donate. I think mustachemadness.com. If you're interested in joining, create a team, join a team or donate their attack cancer attack cancer.com you can check that out gamehairhavoc.com right go to that website so headstrong is certainly the home base and, and can kind of filter you all these different ways but attack cancer.com mustachemadness.com like all these different websites you can join participate donate yeah all of those things we, we encourage everyone to participate or join or check it out learn more and again, October 14th is the event at BU. The women's games are in the morning, I believe starting at 845. Then there's a presentation at 12, 1230 at the stadium, around the stadium. Uh, what, is, what is the name of the exact location for that? It is at the the rooftop, the uh, Case Center rooftop room at BU. And, Which is uh, next to the field. So. Yep, yep. And, and then you're seeing the men's games after that. They're playing, BU's playing UMass Lowell first, then they're playing Manhattan, and then Manhattan and UMass Lowell play to finish out the event. And we want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Ken. Great to talk to you. I'm glad you don't hold any grudges against me for when I was writing about MLL stuff. I know all of your teammates do. 
Yeah. Oh, hate me. It's really great. I don't know the outlaws be upset. They let me go. I was on the launch at that point. You know, like, I, I mean, the, but, listen, it, it's really just Bocklet. <laughs> just like wishes yep. for my death every morning. It's just, uh, it hardens me. I love it. We made up on Twitter, but I know it's fake. Okay. Twitter, that's where real things happen, right? It's on Twitter. It's all real. Oh, that's now, not like, true. Yeah, well, yeah, I shouldn't say maybe that's not true at all. I guess I was going more off the line of like, it's not, it didn't happen until you put it on social, but right. yeah, I shouldn't say things true by any means. But yeah, no, we're, look, we're so, I'm so appreciative for you guys having me on. Thank you so much. Like we're, we're so excited to be expanding into the, into the Boston region. We're, we're also going to be as, as, as Travel Foundation attending the Massachusetts Youth Lacrosse Convention, right? Taking, you know, taking place that first week of February, which we've heard just wonderful things about. It seems like a great event. So we're really excited to be up there at that continuing to just build relationships in the community. So I encourage anyone, if they're out there, that certainly stop by our booth and uh, and check it out. But yeah, guys, I love talking with you. I'd be happy to be back anytime. And let me ramble here about Headstrong and, and things that I'm up to and what we're doing. And yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. It's great oh, having you. Coming on. Nice job. Well done. Best of luck with Headstrong and let's get rid of cancer. Yeah. Yeah, let's get rid of it. Let's, let's support the families going through it. A big difference, like I said, whether it's with Headstrong or anyone else, go out, help help your community, be a great servant leader, just just be involved and, and help make a difference. And, and yeah, guys, thanks so much for, for having us. And we want to thank you again for listening to the Moving the Cross Journals, Chase the Gold Podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Dennis. We'll see you next time.